Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. Follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod and give the page over on Facebook a like as well. Russ, I guess we got to talk about, hey, follow us on threads as well. We're trying to become more active on Instagram and threads. So just more avenues to consume some kick-ass Thundercast content. Also, give us a, a, a subscribe to the YouTube channel if you don't mind so you don't miss any of the content that goes on over there. Uh, it, it's the, let's talk about what's going on in this episode. Russ has at least five things that I have n- no idea what they are. Uh, but, uh, the breakdown series is going to continue this week with the linebackers and man, in preparation for that, I thought it was going to be a, you know, kind of average prep time type deal. And man, there was a lot more movement and, and, uh, moving and shaking than I figured going into this. So this is pretty intensive breakdown coming up later in the episode and of course we're going to take you around the herd so we've got a lot to get to but before we get started let's get a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com if you've been hurt in a wreck visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on facebook you can't stop a bad driver from crashing into you and making you a victim but when you're hurt and you try to deal with the insurance companies alone You set yourself up to be a victim again. Don't be a victim twice. Jason and Matt can't protect you from bad drivers, but they can protect you from the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Russ, let's start this episode off like we always start our episodes off with at least five things every Herd fan needs to know. Yeah, KD, and as always, five things every herd fan needs to know this week, brought to you by IgniteLink, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Number one, Cam Fancher and Owen Porter will be the football representatives at Sunbelt Media Days. That is July 25th and 26th next week. Uh, First off, super cool, right? I don't think there's anybody that was surprised to see Owen Porter going to rep the herd, right? Because mm-hmm. he's kind of like one of the odds-on favorites you think right now for preseason defensive player of the year type thing. Yeah. But I think most people were maybe expecting to see Rasheen Ali make the trip, but he made the trip last year, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. And uh, I think this kind of puts to bed a lot of rumors that you know, might not necessarily need put to bed, but if you're taking your quarterback to media days, that kind of says to me, he's our guy. Lee, at least for week one, he's our guy. So mm-hmm. I, I want to have a little back and forth here instead of just talking for a minute and then you say something and then we move on. So there was a lot of discussion that was sparked over this and uh, especially on social media when I put it, put it out there that Marshall had released who was going. Yeah. So what do you think about – I mean, there's no really discussion about Owen, right? We all knew that was going to happen, or we're well. I'm I'm going to I'm going to include him for a point. Yeah, that I yeah. want to make uh, offensive captain, defensive captain. That's the way I see it. You're taking uh, last year we took somebody from offense, somebody from defense. If I'm not mistaken, it was Ali and Neil. Wasn't that mm-hmm. who it was? I'm pretty sure. So, yeah. 
So um, this year, taking a defensive guy, probably the captain of the defense, you know, definitely been here the longest. Uh, All the accolades seemingly ready for him for this year. And we're making a statement of, hey, it's our quarterback. Who do you want to be your big guy on the offensive side and your team overall? You want it to be the quarterback. And I think that's what it is. And it, it seems to me like a mirror. We're saying, okay, we got Owen Porter. We got Cam Fancher. That's our, our captains of both sides. That's our leaders of both sides. And that's who they're rolling with. Now, leaders might be a better word because for be. at least a couple of years, Marshall has done like a game by game captain, like game right. captains. No, a captain is the loosest sense of the word. Right. I definitely mean leader more more so, but yeah. the the head of, and there you go. Yeah, and but it's also kind of just time, right? Because Cam mm-hmm. had moved into the role midway through the season last year, he progressed great. I still can, for the life of me, cannot figure out why folks are like. I just don't think he's got it, man. I'm like, he's six and one in seven starts. Who, who anybody in the country is pretty much going to take that, right? Like the, the win loss record, right? Right. Any team in the country is going to say, you put me a, a freshman or a redshirt freshman quarterback midway through the season and thrust him into action when you're a three and three ball club and needing to have a turnaround, mm-hmm. and he's going to go six and one. Every yep. team in the country is going to go, I'll take it, right? Yep. I'll take so I don't get it. I think too many people, and this is not a knock on any other quarterback in the roster, especially Cole Pennington, who we're going to talk about. I just right. think people are blindsided by the last name on the back of the jersey. 100%. And I also want to see Cole Pennington in the game. I want to see what he can do too. Not, be, not because he's Chad's son, but because he's a quarterback on our roster, right? Mm-hmm. So, but Cam's the guy right now, seemingly the mm-hmm. guy right now. And you're going to take him to media days that's saying, hey, he's our guy at least to start the season. Now, we don't know if an injury or whatever happens, whatever happens. We're not speculating that. But he's the guy. So either you get behind the guy and support the guy, or you're just going to be disappointed. And you you know how we do. We just choose to support, right, our players. That's Uh, right. I I trust our coaches to put our guys in the best position to win. So who the hell am I to question that? Just because I, I, I look at it like this. You can't expect to win, but only want to win the way you want to win. Right. Like, well, we I only want to win if the guys I want to see playing are playing. That's ridiculous, right? Yeah. Win games. And if the, if you're not winning games, then you ask the questions, all right? Is it time for a change? We saw it last year, right? We weren't winning the way we wanted to, and it was just time to make a change. So, yeah. I'm 100% cool with this, man. I'm I think I'm a, I'm a I'm a bigger Cam Fancher fan now than I was going into the season last season, and I'm a bigger fan now than I was midway through last season. And at the end of last season. So, you know, I'm just kind of on board, right? I trust Huff. I I trust Trickett. I trust what these guys are trying to do. So, 100% same. Uh, Only thing that I'll add, you know, we talked about the wins, losses. I think that's the end all be all. But people are wanting to see 350 yards passing and five touchdowns out of their quarterback and air it out. And that just was not how our football team was built. We were built to run and i don't see any of those people saying uh oh, laboring touched it too much last year you yeah. know we we shouldn't have ran laboring as much no i mean that was what we were going to see out of ali and laboring in my opinion <laughs> both of them together we were going to dominate that line of scrimmage and just run all over everybody and unfortunately uh ali came up with that injury so it changed the dynamics um 
we had to then rely on the quarterback more and it just was not built that way and it was not working out. We put in Cam Fancher. By the way, seven games that he starts, I know that he played in all, all of, of the games. Probably yeah. all of them. I'm fairly certain it was all the games. Uh, second leading rusher on the team, 446 yards. Only got one touchdown, but 446 yards is no slouch, and he only started seven games. I know that he got uh, 60-some or whatever in that opening game last year uh, against a lower division opponent, but the guy is dynamic to get away from pressure. The guy is passing downfield. If you remember, I charted those games last year Mm -hmm. to chart the difference of here's the throws that we were making under quarterback A. Here's the throws we were making under quarterback B. It was a demonstrative difference of passing downfield. Even if it's from the five to nine yards downfield, a lot of the other times we were passing two and three yards behind the line of scrimmage or directly at the line of scrimmage, and that was the furthest we attempted a pass mm-hmm. under Columbia. So we threw more, tried to stretch the field down, throwing over the middle, all these different things that everybody's been clamoring for. So in my opinion, if he goes down there and does not have back spasms and he puts up a, a better stat line, which, by the way, we won that game pretty convincingly uh, at, against UConn in the bowl game. But if, in that game, he comes away with a better stat line. I don't think there is nearly as many people clamoring for another quarterback right now. Yeah, I just don't get it. it. And you've already said it. There's, there's no other reason right now than Cole Pennington's last name that people automatically are assuming he's going to come in and we're going to be 1999, 13-0 <laughs> under a Pennington. It, it's just it's unfair pressure to the to the kid and, and young man, I should say. Yeah. Um, and there is something to, well, he learned under Chad, and Chad sure. groomed him with the mechanics and all that stuff, but it does not necessarily mean you're going to get the exact same experience that we had with Chad there. And by the way, Chad was here two full years before he came in and started kicking butt in 97 and then 98 and then 99. Right. Cole so you're, came so you're, expect, you're going to expect a red shirt freshman or freshman to yeah. do what a senior Chad Pennington did? That's yeah. just unrealistic. And, and Cole came here late, later than the other two that were signed out of there, Harrison and uh, Zamora. They got here. We're here for spring ball. Cole was not here for spring ball. I think I said Chad a minute ago, but you know what I mean. Cole Cole came here late last year. That put him behind, not because he wasn't talented. It's just time. It's time. And, hey, we're the biggest Chad Pennington fans in the world, you know. And would I love to see another Pennington come in here and dominate? 100%. I hope to see it but not to the detriment of his own development. I don't want him thrown out there too early. I want him to, when he's on the field, I want him to be on the field because he 100% had to pass up the guy that was in front of him. Well, that's the way it's supposed to work. It is right? supposed it, to work It's not way. just because what you want to see. So right. I, I want to go back to one point you made. You were talking about people didn't say, well, labor needs to be running less. No, I think yeah. folks, a lot of folks, not a lot, maybe 
just vocal ones. We'll put, say, vocal front. Some vocal fans want to see 150 yards rushing from one guy and 350 yards passing from your quarterback, and they expect you to never punt, and, you know, you should score a sure. touchdown in every drive. And while I want to see that, it's just not realistic, man. It doesn't yeah. – this isn't a video game. Like, this is real life, and sometimes things don't go right. But still, I'm. it's just time to get behind Cam Fancher, right, until mm-hmm. – until it it is just it plays out on the field that right right or wrong that's the guy right yeah. so until it plays out otherwise that's the guy just support the the guy and I mean do you do you want to see Marshall what what would you rather see right, as one of these fans right do you want to get out to a you know a, a one and three start just so you can get the guy that you want in quarterback at the quarterback position or do you want to go four and zero oh with a quarterback that you prefer to not see give me a break. Give me a break. Yeah. It's all about wins and losses. That's always, always what it's about. That's it. As long as you're winning, you've got a shot. And we're and we're on a pretty decent win streak. And have we had our had our defense not gotten surprised by Coastal Carolina? I think we would be a lot of people would be singing a different tune, right? Mm-hmm. They clean up that first quarter and they win that game. And all of a sudden, Cam's you know seven and zero, and they go maybe eight and zero because they're gonna go to the conference title game last year if that happens. Who nobody's gonna be singing that tune. Nobody. So just get behind the guy. I'm 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 off my horse on that now. Yeah, final thing that I'm going to say is to kind of reiterate what I said earlier. Yeah. If Cole passes up Cam Fancher because Cam is struggling. And I'm not hoping for that. I'm not saying that at all. That is just one of the things that could happen in a season. Any quarterback whether they're coming off of a Heisman season, they can struggle at times. And if somebody comes in and passes them up, it is one of those situations where, you know, you've seen it in uh, baseball, you've seen it in football, you've seen it in basketball, where the reserve passes up the person in front of them and then they don't let go of it. This might be what we're going to see. We don't know, but we're not going to put somebody out there just because of their last name and say, all right, that, that's who we're backing. We're going with the talent right now that is going to win us the game. And that is coming from a huge Cole fan and a huge Chad fan. Yep. Yep. I want to see it too. We all want to see it, but it's got to be at the right time. It's got to be because you earn it, not just because you want it. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Number two, Marshall, for the first time ever, is offering a dog box. Now, what is that? You might ask. <laughs> I don't know, dog. Tell me. <laughs> it's it's not it's not where I immediately went went when I saw the uh, uh, headline. I thought somebody got kicked out of the suite, and I was going to get to go up there, and it was just going to be puppies that I could pet while I watched the game in a skybox suite. <laughs> Sadly, that's not what we're going for. All right, so this dog box for sixty dollars with all the proceeds going to the Big Green Scholarship Foundation. Includes a Marshall leash, a Marshall collapsible water bowl, a Marshall dog tag, a Marshall frisbee, and a Marshall bandana. Oh, and a car sticker that says, My dog loves the herd. 60 bucks if you're a dog fan. Who isn't? Grab one of these, decorate your pup. <laughs> who um, isn't? Yeah, who isn't? I want to know. Um, get, get some Marshall gear for your pup. If you're a big Marshall fan and you got a pup, chances are you got some swag for it already. Yeah. But this gives you a little bit more and you're supporting uh, the athletes. Yeah, it's a nice little package, right? You can get it's kind of like a one-stop shop deal, especially if you got a new puppy. 
right? And you're looking to deck it out and make it look sweet. Just go ahead and pop for the package here. Support the big green. It's pretty cool. But everybody's, how many dogs do you see around town all the time with the herd bandana on or something Mm -hmm. like that, right? So you get a few more items in there so you can really get the whole package. And I think it's, I'm with you. I think it's just a pretty cool thing just to make available. And yeah. yeah, I'm a, I'm a dog fan. We have a dog, but she's insane. So I don't, I don't know that she would probably just kind of chew everything up, you know, but um, I think that's really cool. A really great way to um, have another member of your family support the herd, right? Cause everybody kind of sees their dog as a, as a actual true member of their family, not just right. an accessory of it, you know? So it's another, it's just a cool way sign up and, and pop for the package and, and uh, give a little extra support to the big green along the way. How do you how do you lose on that? That's a win win. And we are always looking for an excuse to get more swag for uh, herd everything. You know, whether it's a keychain, no matter what it is, you're you're looking like, well, I don't have herd here. I'm going to put some herd there. Yeah. So just grab one. All right. These next three KD, they're all very very similar. Um, but we're going to start off with herd tennis is an ITA all academic team. Meanwhile, six players were named to the ITA Scholar Athletes. Thoughts before I get into who it was? You know the word. What is it? What's that word? (laughs) Anytime it's academics and it's the herd and it's our athletes, that's a differentiator to the program. And we're not talking about, you know, again, just, you know, oh, everybody made a 3.5. Well, that's awesome, right? That's like Dean's Lift stuff. So that's cool, too. I'm not trying to diminish that. And it's not like we led the Sun Belt in this and, you know, that's where it stopped. It's these national accolades, these these all academics from these major uh, organizations. That's where the differentiator part comes in, because it's not utterly shocking or overly shocking to see athletes from all of uh, our conference mates probably land on the dean's list or a lot of them lands on land on the dean's list it's stuff like this where it's these huge organizations that recognize your athletes where the differentiator part comes in all right to get this uh you have to be a 3.2 and above as a team marshall carried a 3.419 significantly higher Mm mm-hmm and then to be an ITA scholar athlete, the student athlete must have maintained at least a 3.5 during the academic year. Uh, those six uh, for us was uh, Gabrielle Clarot, Kylie Fisher, Ruby Fraser, Reiki Gillar, Sophia Hurion, and Dorotaja Joksovich. Now, so, so several of those we talked about a lot through the season as – winning matches a lot in the singles and uh, really great doubles teams. So that's the double-edged, usually you say double-edged sword in a negative way, but that's the double-edged sword of this is like they're killing it on the court and they're killing it in the classroom. Several, So at least half of those, probably two-thirds of those that you just named were also really high performers on the court for the herd. So, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, you love that. You love that. All right. Any other thoughts on those before we get to the next academic? Nope. All right. This is over uh, for uh, swimming and diving. Lauren Henderson and Grace Kelsheimer named second team CSCAA individual scholar All-Americans. Rinse and repeat, man. So this comes with a caveat. We talked about this a little bit in previous episodes that it's not just what you do in the classroom, but 
you have to maintain that and have a performance on the or in the pool, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here's what we got. Uh, let's see. To earn second team honors, the student athlete must have maintained a 3.5 GPA, met the quote B time standard for the national championship, or participated in a diving zone qualification meet. So you have to be able to qualify or participate at a certain level before it doesn't matter if you get a 4.0, you still might not get first, second, third, whatever on this uh, scholar athlete uh, award. Yeah. They just prove it. We just prove it over and over again. You know, our Olympic sports are just kind of on another level when it comes to the academic performance. And we, we've seen that, right? All right. Final. We're going to talk about volleyball. They get, as a team, the 2023 United States Marine Corps slash American Volleyball Coaches Association Team Academic Award. <laughs> that yeah, that, uh, that won the gets old, man. Never well, gets that, old. That won the award for third longest title for an award, by the way. <laughs> uh, to be named a USMC slash AVCA team academic award recipient, a team must maintain at least a 3.3 GPA during the academic year. During 23 or 22 and 23, the herd maintained a 3.38 team GPA. Jeez. Just smoking the academics this week on uh, on the Thundercast. Well, we're not, but our teams are, that's for sure. Well, we've talked about it. I think it was about three weeks ago when we had all the different GPAs for the different teams and all that mm-hmm. and how, uh, uh, how many different uh, athletes that we had got academic awards, how many teams got academic awards and that sort of thing. And this is just a, a little bit more of that to, to show you where they're qualifying nationally, regionally, that sort of thing. Yeah, they're doing. we're just doing a really great job. I know we had a lot of uh, teams that were recognized last year about this time when we were doing this, but this year it just seems like it's an, it, it's a, the number's a little bit higher, and if the n- overall number's not higher, it seems like the accolades are a little bit more prestigious. So this is really cool. I mean, it was just – it felt like we were just talking about high GPAs at Marshall last year. Right. Now this year, it's this organization says you're an academic All-American team, and this this organization says these players are academic All-Americans. So it just seems like we've notched that up. Whether we have or haven't, the perception for me is that we have. And that's – I'm never, ever going to get tired of talking about that. Yeah, and uh, folks that are watching uh, this will see me having to hit the mute button and cough. If you're listening along, you haven't uh, obviously been able to see that, but uh, I am recovering from uh, this illness that we've had, so that's still kind of the scratchy voice and everything, but I'm going to do my best to power through and uh, not be too much of a detriment here with with my raspy voice and uh, coughing fits. But anyway, KD, that ends... uh, Five things every Herd fan needs to know this week. As always, brought to you by Ignite Link. Five very intelligent things this week. And thank so, you. you know, the uh, let's go ahead and get right around the herd because we've got a long breakdown here, and the clock sure. is ticking today. Yep. All right. So with around the herd, let's start with football because it's going on right now. Uh, Marshall Herd Day is literally going on right now i've got the game over here they're up in cincinnati watching the brewers face the reds 
Coach Huff just threw out the first pitch, and uh, we've got three different sections up there of herd fans going on. Great to see a lot of green in that stadium. Yeah, that's always a really cool – I love that partnership, and I know as a Reds fan, you love that partnership, right? I love that. I just think it's so cool. I was telling my wife about it earlier while we were, uh, you know, cooking downstairs, and she was like, oh, really? They have, like, her day at at Great American? I'm like, yeah, it's been a really long-standing – partnership and she's like well how come they never did that when we were in Huntington I'm like they did but we just never were able to go so she was kind of surprised by that too but you know for for folks that are huge herd fans and Reds fans like we both are that Mm -hmm. just it it makes for a little special occasion because it's not very like you could go to a Reds game and easily potentially see a Marshall shirt in the crowd right As, as a matter of fact I think the odds are good that you would see at least one but if you're able to go to that game today and you get to, you know, kind of sit back and see this clustering of Kelly Green kind of in a section, that always looks cool when you're at a place like uh, Great American. Quick story. Uh, well, first, I wanted to be there today and only because I'm so sick as I have not been able to go. Uh, it's killing me that I'm not there amongst the herd fans cheering on my Reds. And you know how big of a Reds fan I am. But quick story, I almost – watch every single pitch of every single game unless something, you know, comes up. I watch it on delay if I have to, whatever. Uh, Over the last couple of years, that has waned a little bit because of my schedule and everything. But several years ago, I was writing a a blog covering every single Reds game. And I'm watching every single pitch, and I see a foul ball go down the first baseline, pop-up foul ball, and a guy stands up to catch it, and he's wearing a Marshall shirt. And I look, and his dad is right next to him. His dad is my next-door neighbor and friend, and his son is also lives in the neighborhood and everything, catches it, and they just have the camera on them afterwards. You know, it's a father-son sharing a, a, a moment from a, a foul ball and everything, and they just focus on them for the next couple of pitches. You know, in between pitches, they're showing them. And the announcers are just talking about Marshall University and they know where it is. There is a huge tie between Marshall and Reds. And we have such an abundance of alumni up there in that area. The Northern Kentucky, uh, greater Cincinnati area have a lot of events up there. Great uh, uh, big green kind of splinter. So I, I just love to see it. I wish I was there. All right, men's basketball, it was just announced officially. Justin Caldwell is joining as an assistant coach. We, of course, have talked about that multiple times here. Mm-hmm. Uh, not really anything to revisit. We didn't list it as a thing. I think it was a thing for us months ago, maybe one, two months ago, something like that. Anything you want to add on there? No, it's just nice to see this um, coaching staff like officially – get rounded out you know we knew these moves were going to happen we just didn't know when they would officially be announced and stuff like that a lot of them we figured might get announced after the first of july just like you know most fiscal type business things are but uh you know last week it was uh corny jackson getting elevated to associate head coach this week it's justin caldwell getting announced to the staff so we're just kind of rounding it all out i've seen pictures of the guys are already working out in the yeah in the in the um Golics and Jim, which looks so damn cool, man. Yeah. And uh saw even some pictures of the herd that guys down there working out. So they had some 
rubbing some shoulders with uh, the Elmore and and uh, the the rest of the guys. I saw uh, Pinova was in town, so pretty cool, man. It's like a it's like getting the band back together down there in Gullickson Gym. It's pretty cool. I'm I'm glad to see these guys are out there competing, and of course we're excited for heard that. That's another conversation for another time. But heard that's getting ready to give it a run in the TBT and they're always entertaining. So a lot of positivity surrounding herd basketball right now. Pretty cool, man. Just, just pretty cool. couple of weeks worth of news. Over on the uh, baseball diamond, Zach Atkinson was drafted by the Padres with 461st pick that happened after we had recorded last week. So definitely want to uh, highlight that. Uh, he was another pitcher for the herd. Uh, Patrick Copen, we had mentioned got drafted, uh, Last week uh, on the show, we mentioned that. And again, you put somebody in the majors or the farm system or whatever, that's more eyes coming on your team. It just shows you quite a bit about what you can do here at Marshall University. Gets you more recruits, gets you more everything. It just feels like we're on the cusp of seeing that like annually. Like, and I'm not talking about one guy. I'm talking about maybe two, three, four guys annually getting that draft, uh, getting drafted. But I'll tell you what, if you're a Southern California Major League Baseball fan, I mean, dang, uh, you're set up there with uh, L.A. and San Diego. So a couple of guys going from uh, Huntington all the way down to Southern California, quite the trek, but I'm 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 pumped for him. So c- congratulations to Patrick. Of course, we talked about him last week and Zach Atkinson. This is it's super cool. I didn't know that we would see more than one name called, but that is really, really cool. Congratulations to him, too. On the soccer pitch, we've got both men's and women's uh, teams having a joint camp, and that is going on or maybe wrapping up right now. I don't know exactly what their time frame was for today. Um, but uh, had the, if I'm not mistaken, had the uh, satellite part up in Charleston and then down here just like they did last year. Yeah. Love the camps. I mean, I love when it's camp season, right, because, yeah. you know, you get you get to interact with the community a little bit more. Plus, you might get some eyes if you're having an elite prospect camp or something. You might get some eyes on some talent that's locally, fairly local that you may not otherwise have gotten some eyes on. But I'll tell you what else. Since we're talking about soccer, you better get to herd zone and secure those season tickets. Not because many. They, they mentioned that reserved seat reserved seats are really limited, and uh, the season's quickly approaching. So. If you're putting it off, you may end up without a reserved seat if you want season tickets, if you're just waiting, waiting, waiting. So they're not that expensive. I mean, really, they're not. And if you go all in, you're going to get tickets to both men's and women's, which, of course, Russ, we did. So we're going to have tickets to uh, every single home men's and women's herd soccer match again this season that will be given away. But uh, I'm telling you, get off the fence, make the purchase, because you may find yourself in a standing room only or a general admission type scenario for some of those larger marquee matches yeah final thing that i have is volleyball speaking of camps just wrapped up uh monday through thursday of last week their uh young thundering herd camp or young herd camp and uh caitlin my oldest daughter participated in that got frustrated one day and uh she walked off the court and went and sat down because she had messed up and the other teammates were telling her, you know, she should have been in a different position, that sort of thing. Uh, 
she's 11, by the way, and doesn't play volleyball competitively. She just wanted to go to the camp. So she gets upset. She goes over there, and one of the players, and I'm not going to mention their name because I didn't ask if it was okay, went over and sat down, talked to her, got her pet back up, said, hey, you know, life's not about quitting, and uh, it's not about, you know, sometimes you're going to hear the wrong thing, and sometimes you're not going to feel good about it, but the best thing to do is just get right back out there and not let it bother you. And when Caitlin was telling me about this, man, it just makes me say, if you have a kid, get them to these camps because these players care. These players will teach them some great lessons. These staff members of these teams will teach them some great things. She had a blast in those four days. And uh, I just could not be more positive about this volleyball team with the coaching staff down to the players about how much of a family they are. Mm-hmm. So let's get out and support them. But anytime you see these camps, get your kids over to them. Yeah, no kidding, man. It's just an easy way to support the herd and give your kids something to do, right? Yeah. There's not a, an abundance of things to do that are special like that. It comes around once a year or maybe, you know, a couple of times for various camps that you have an opportunity to get in there, rub shoulders with herd players and coaches and get a little instruction, but really just have a lot of fun. And it's something to do for a week. And it's it's just a really rewarding experience, especially I know Caitlin. I know her well. She's a great kid. And I can envision her the whole scenario that you just told the story about, right? And to be able to just kind of get that little pickup and roll roll back up in there and give it another go, that's kind of what it's all about, right? There yeah. ain't nobody that's listening to this show, neither one of us, none of those players that we are we have are on that roster. We've all screwed up immensely. And I mean, right. I've done it immensely. But, man, you know, you just got to keep on kicking, man. Just keep on keeping on. Life's a garden, brother. Dig it. <laughs> that does it for Around the Herd, unless you got anything else. If not, let's talk uh, linebackers. <laughs> no, I did not expect to throw in a Joe Dirt reference right there at the end of Around the Herd. But it See, just, that's all I expect from you. It just <laughs> felt right. But, yeah, you're right. It's It's the breakdown series. Right, continuing this week, man, they've been really good. Every every episode that we've done, every position group that we've done a, a breakdown on so far has been really, really solid. And I expect this one to be the same way. I really, I'm telling you, I did not expect this much preparation when it came to linebackers. I, I just didn't. I figured it would be a very minimal amount or whatever, but there was a lot of movement. And I'm not sure everybody realizes it because, hell, I didn't realize it. Uh, but linebackers, of course, coached by herd great Shannon Morrison. Uh, great dude, by the way. You know, we had an opportunity to talk to him a little bit over the spring game weekend. And um, I don't know, man. He, he, if it, I feel like if I were a player, you know, and he was my coach, he's the type of guy that is going to get the absolute most that you have to give. He's going to get that out of you every single day. And, and he brings this unique perspective, right, because he's not just a linebacker's coach and coaches the position. He played at Marshall. Right. He's a national champion at Marshall, right. right? So the expectation that he has on top of just his coaching ability is like another notch above because it's not just I've been there and won. And th- I did it here. I did it at Marshall where you were playing. And so, I think he's been here. This is maybe his third time. Yeah, third I think time, this is his think. third time too. Yeah. But this is just – it's such a unique thing. And when we talk about the defensive line, we're going to be able to say those same things about Ralph Street, right? Because they did it here. They won big games here and championships here. 
I just think that's so unique, right? So let's talk about the field still ranked nationally, Russ. Her, the herd linebacking core comes in at number 57 nationally, despite all of the movement that we're going to talk about, right? Uh, tied for fourth in the Sunbelt Conference with division mates, App State and Georgia State, by the way. Eli, Eli Neal lands on the field still preseason all SBC second team and of the top eligible inside, I'm sorry, top draft eligible inside linebackers. Eli Neal lands at number 57 on Phil Steele's list, but more intriguing uh, perhaps is who lands at number 51, and that's Michael Green, who is a defensive lineman for the Herd. He's listed as a draft eligible inside linebacker prospect for Phil Steele. Of course, we'll talk about Michael Green when we talk about the defensive line unit, but that was just a little bit eyebrow raising to me. I thought, huh, well, I'll be damned. Maybe he's a little bit more versatile than we're giving him credit for, right? So something to just maybe keep in the back of the noggin there moving forward. Currently on the roster, on the Herdoon roster, this is vastly inaccurate. There are only eight linebackers listed, yeah. all right? But there is a ton of movement that you'll see adds up to way more than eight. Uh, quickly, Exhausted eligibility. There are four guys that exhausted eligibility from a year ago. Charlie Gray departs as the number two tackler on the entire her defense last year with 71 total tackles. Number four total uh, tackles for loss with eight and a half and number six in sacks with two and a half. He also notched two interceptions, a forced fumble over 13 games for the herd. Abraham Boplan also mm -hmm. departs. Exhausting eligibility, now up there in Minnesota trying to make a roster for the Vikings. Number three in total tackles on the team last year with 66. Number six in tackles for loss, six and a half. He also notched one sack, one interception, and a forced fumble over 12 games. That is a massive amount of production that is lost. Jace Bobo also departs after a one-year stint with the Herd. 19 total tackles last year, one and a half tackles for loss and a half a sack in nine games, and Tyreek Bell, five tackles in eight games. All four of those guys have exhausted eligibility. Portal out. Uh, redshirt sophomore Dan Foster hits the portal and goes to West Division foe Texas State, not on the herd schedule this year. Seven tackles and a half a tackle for lost in nine games last year. I would like to think most of those came on special teams, but I think Dan was one of those guys that was poised to kind of move into one of those con heavy contributor roles this year. And then a couple of freshmen departed. James Smyre heads over to UAB. No stats in 2022. And then freshman Kian Carrillo also departs. No stats in 2022. Portal in. Man, we made some waves in the portal and the linebacking core. I don't, I forgot there were this many, really. I started mm -hmm. out and I thought, okay, there's like three. No, there's like five. So Kashawn Brown comes over, senior from Appalachian State, six foot two, 219 pounds, 49 career games at App State, 11 in 2022. Eight of those were starts. 39 tackles for the Mountaineers last year, five and a half tackles for loss, and two forced fumbles. Uh, Steven Dix Jr. comes over from Florida State, who might be the most intriguing of the prospects to come over in the portal. Redshirt sophomore comes over from Florida State, six foot two, 237 pounder, 21 games over two years with the Knowles, five starts. He missed the entire season 2022 with an injury, but 59 career tackles, 
three and a half tackles for loss in in, uh, 2021 and 2020 combined. He was a freshman All-American in 2020 by rivals and a former four-star prospect out of Dr. Phillips High School in Orlando, Florida. And if you know anything about Florida high school sports, you'll recognize Dr. Phillips High School. Number uh, Number 240 overall prospect by ESPN when he came out of high school and the number 14 Outside linebacker by rivals and number 19 by 24-7 sports. Steven Dix Jr. is just a really, really intriguing prospect. If he's healthy, 100% and a full go, this could be a massive, monstrous pickup for the herd. Landon Watson comes over from TCU, redshirt sophomore, six foot three, 255 pounds, Russ, as listed as a linebacker for the herd. Uh, played three career games at TCU. He's a former four-star prospect, but he was the number five weak side defensive end coming out of high school in the state of Texas and the number 32 weak side defensive end nationally by two 24-7 sports. So another hybrid type prospect to wonder how the hell are they going to utilize this guy? Is he going to put his hand in the ground maybe from time to time or is he going to line up on the outside and wreak havoc? I mean, it's an intriguing bit. 6'3", 255? What? Then, of course, you've got Ty McBright, the junior from Incarnate Word, six foot two, 229 pounder, 35 tackles, three tackles for loss, one sack, and a pass breakup in 2022 in 10 games at Incarnate Word. And lastly, maybe the most accomplished from a statistical standpoint, uh, Mark Viacek, the six foot, 222 pound junior. He comes over from Southeastern University. Get this stat line, dude. 189 career tackles, 20 and a half career tackles for loss, seven and a half career sacks, and three fumble recoveries in three years. I've got more info for him later when we get into the breakdown. But dang, uh, nearly 200 career tackles comes over to help bolster this herd linebacking unit. Incoming freshmen. We've got a quartet of incoming freshmen. Jaden Yates is probably the name that most folks will recognize. Six foot one, 220 pounder. A three star prospect comes in from Columbus, Ohio. And yep, that name sounds familiar. He is the son of Marshall Hall of Fame linebacker Max Yates from those late 90s, early 2000s type teams. Then you got Javen Hall, the six foot one, 220 pound three star prospect from Roswell, Georgia. Mathis Haygood, another intriguing prospect, six foot three, 200 pounds, a two-star prospect from rivals coming from Tyrone, Georgia, and then a Juco guy. Probably should have listed in the portal section, but uh, Jonathan Perkins, six foot two, 235, Juco from East LA College. Russ, that is a ton of movement, man. You're talking about nine guys coming into the program. That's why I say that roster listing eight is vastly inaccurate because I don't even talk about Eli Neal and those guys. Right. So before we get into um, projected starters, what about all this freaking movement? What, 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 which of these guys leap off the page for you just from a knee jerk reaction? Well, first there's a lot of movement because it was necessary. You can't have the people that left uh, both from exhausting their eligibility, but also hitting the transfer portal and not, add back to the depth. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that you always see out of Coach Huff. He's going to make sure we have depth. He's going to make sure we have size and make sure we have depth. So that's the initial knee-jerk reaction. But 
I'm really, really excited to see some of these guys come in. Uh, I'm really intrigued by some of the size uh, that we have. Are. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. And anytime that you're replacing Beauplan and Gray, yeah. who, you know, seeing both of those guys come back last year, uh, you know, really helped. Uh, the, especially Charlie Gray, uh, you know, announcing that he was coming back. I mean, that was a huge differentiator. Yeah, I'll use was. your, I'll use your word in a uh, different context for a change, but real differentiator for him to come back. And uh, now we're going to kind of have the same thing with Eli Neal coming back. So yeah. Now I could be mistaken, but I just have in my head that Charlie Gray entered the portal and came out of the portal. He did to you know come back for that uh, his I, I think he was a six-year guy you know with, yeah. with the COVID thing but that was huge man and he had a he had what I love to see that that curtain call season it was his best season in a herd uniform yeah. 71 tackles I mean he he really really made the right choice coming out of the portal playing for Gidry and and Shannon Morrison on that herd defense and they these guys so many of these parts just complemented each other that allowed him uh, a number of guys to just have above average season or career seasons. So that was a great move. It's going to be a big loss. And I mean, you can't just gloss over the fact that a bow plan's gone and, and Charlie Gray's gone and think that it, it won't have some sort of impact. It will, it'll have an impact, right? Because that's, and I'll talk about that a little bit more. So let's K- uh, KD a quick aside, just to update everybody, since I already said, you know, I'm watching this, uh, Marshall-tinged Reds game. The Reds have scored their first run in a few games, and also David Bell just got ran. So things are coming back to normal. (laughs) Thank you for the update. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) So this is another one of those things where you're going to talk about projected starters, and and you really don't know because depending on how you're going to line up, you could have two, three, four linebackers on the field at any given time. So I don't know. I'm just starting out with three. And mm-hmm. and also those three, a couple of them could be interchangeable, right? Because sure, sure. the only one that if you, you know, made me choose, give me one linebacker that's going to be a starter, it's going to be Eli Neal. It, it could mm-hmm. be anybody else depending on who we're playing that game or what we're trying to do that game. But I'm going to start with the senior, Eli Neal, uh, another guy who decided, hey, I'm coming back. And that was one of the big three along with Abraham and Owen Porter where we as Herd fans went, Hell yes, because we got one bona fide weapon that we knew what we had coming back at every level of the defense, right? And those those three in particular are huge to what we're going to do this year. So, senior Eli Neal, six foot, two hundred and twenty five pounder. Russ, he was the number one leading tackler on this herd defense last year. Ninety eight total tackles, number three in tackles for loss, nine and a half three sacks, one interception, three pass breakups, and nine quarterback hurries in all 13 games last year for the Herd. Eli Neal is just as durable as they come, as productive as they come, a high-motor guy. You got to – you just – there's nothing that you can't love about Eli Neal. He is the exact type of guy you want on your roster every single season. Now, look, I'm going to nod to another senior here because I think we might see Kashawn Brown get the nod here. Uh, that senior type leadership and a guy who's played nearly 50 games in his career, you just can't, there's no substitute for that. Mm-hmm. And he's played 50 games at the Sun Belt Conference level, right? So even probably lined up against the herd last year 
during 75 week, six foot two, 219 pounder. He had, like I mentioned before, he had 11 games, eight starts last season at app 39 total tackles, five and a half tackles for loss, three sacks and two forced fumbles. So production is there also. And you get to bring in that familiarity with playing in this league and running that Sunbelt East gauntlet. I mean, that just feels like a couple of leg up legs up that uh, might land you in that one of those starting spots. Then we're going to go a little bit younger here, Russ. How about sophomore carry on Martin local kid, Charleston capital high school. You'd love to see it. Six foot one, 203 pounder. He was tied for sixth on this herd defense last year. So that's why I'm kind of giving him the nod despite being what some folks might say, you know, he's a little younger. Hey, he's productive. Tied for sixth, 42 total tackles. That outdoes what Mr. Brown did for App State last year. So you might as well bring in somebody with a little continuity that's used to playing alongside uh, Eli Neal, who's used to the terminology and what Shannon Morrison likes to do. I think this is a great time for Carry On to move into that role to where we're talking about him maybe next year as LB1, as Eli Neal at Will Exhaust eligibility. But look, 42 total tackles. Last year, two and a half tackles for loss, one forced fumble, a couple of pass breakups, and two quarterback hurries. Um, words I, on these guys? Well, I have to ask. If I'm not mistaken, we just talked about carry on two weeks ago as a safety. Has yeah. he? Has he been? I don't know. I mean, no. Well, I, I've still got. Yeah, I've you're still, right. You're right. I've still I was got him thinking, listed as a safety. I was thinking that his that we had both the Martin boys on our team, but you're right. You might be right. So it will be intriguing to see where he lands. Let me let me take a dive into that and see the what roster, we're the roster has him as a safety right now. Huh. Well, you're probably right. Let me look here. Let me look. Yeah. I think he's listed in uh, maybe kind of both places. You know what? I think I think maybe I was – did we have the other Martin? No, he transferred to um, Kent State maybe. I, I think We, he, we he talked was, about carry on Martin and yeah. how he had sneaky good stats two weeks yep, ago. We did. So maybe maybe I just missed what, – what's the word? Mispositioned uh, him. <laughs> I think maybe – you might be looking at day, maybe Daytuan Smith and J.J. Roberts. How about that as opposed to maybe carry on Martin? But carry on, he's a hybrid type guy. Maybe that's where I, my mind was going. We got. It seems like our linebacking core is, is filled with some of these hybrid guys to where we've got guys that can play linebacker or drop back into coverage, or we have those linebackers that can play linebacker or move up and maybe rush off the edge. But I'm going to switch it up here in real time. I think carry on Martin's going to – get that shot at linebacker, and and maybe give me Daytuan Smith to move into that safety role now that I think about it a little bit more. But anyway, good catch. So let's talk about some of these heavy contributors that we think are going to make some noise with the herd. And this is where a lot of those transfers come in heavy, right? But first, we're going to go with a guy who redshirted last year in 2022, a guy that we've heard Coach Huff talk about getting him back and it going to be big for this linebacking core. And that's redshirt junior Jacorian Anderson, as Huff refers to him, J.C. Anderson, six foot two, 231, 19 tackles in 13 games in 21. So he was a heavy contributor in all 13 games for the herd, but redshirted last year. I'm assuming that's due to injury in 2022, did not appear in a game. So if he's back in 100%, you got to think that he's going to be a heavy contributor and may even compete for one of those starting three guys 
depending on how it plays out, especially if Martin ends up floating back to safety. You might see J.C. Anderson roll in there and be that top th that third linebacker. Then we're going to get into some of these uh, these transfers. Tom McBright, I mentioned before, comes over from Incarnate Word, six foot two, two twenty nine. We did the stats before: thirty five tackles, three tackles for loss, and a sack. Uh, then you've got a couple of sophomores, Stephen Dix Jr. I think he's going to be a real weapon here for the herd. We mentioned that 59 career tackles, three and a half tackles for loss at Florida State in 21 career games. So there's a lot of playing experience there, too. He redshirted completely last year, so there wasn't any playing time. He, he was, it said, due to injury, so we know that was the factor. Uh, sophomore Landon Watson, the big guy from TCU, six foot three, 255. No tackles in three games, but this is the guy I'm thinking, all right, depending on what package we're doing here, might you see him you know, rush off of the edge if you're doing some kind of 3-4 looking thing here and you've got a lot of movement and flexibility, who knows. Then Mark Viacek, the the 189 career tackler at Southeastern. I mean, dang, Russ. So those are my, what, one, two, three, four, five heavy contributors. We'll talk about a few more guys here in a minute. Uh, but but the note on Viacek that you've got to go from last year's stats alone, 88 tackles last year, eight tackles for loss, three and a half sacks in 2022. Oh, and by the way, oh, and by the way, he was the Sun Conference Defensive Player of the Year and the Linebacker of the Year. So there's that. So how about and, some how about some notes from you here on these heavy contributors? So with Viacek, uh, I went to that signing day thing in in person yeah and it was noted uh by huff that I, I think it was shannon morrison it could have been a different different uh scout that was uh coming in and said you've got to watch this tape it's the best tape of a linebacker i've ever seen so you know he's kind of undersized at six foot compared to you know what we have seen wanting to get a six two six three linebacker yeah. But he has that nose for the ball and seems to be one of those guys that is always in on the play. Just from the little bit of film that I saw there, you know, he, he had very good lateral movement side to side on the field, covering just about everything. Seems to get a great read on where the play's going and developing that sort of thing. So I would not be shocked to see him be a heavy contributor uh, <laughs> in. in just based on those words, I mean, you don't you don't hear that a lot, you know. Right, and a, and a guy that your coaching staff is that high on could easily be one of those starting linebackers, right? It could yeah. be Eli Neal and a couple of transfers for all we know. But you know, I'm trying to give a nod to a guy that was here before, and but sure. we just don't know. There's so much flexibility, just like we talked about last week. There's flexibility in the in the secondary. There's flexibility in the tight end room. There's flexibility here at linebacker, depending on what you need this unit to do, right? right? Do they need to play more coverage this week? Do they need to run stuff a little bit more this week? Do you need guys that can – it just depends. But no matter what you need, you can never have enough guys that just have a nose for the ball, that are just always in on every play. And when you talk of those type of attributes, immediately some of my first names that I go to are Chase Hancock, always in on all the plays all yep. the time, and Tavante Beckett, always in on every yep. play all the time. You need those type of instincts to get to to get to the ball to make those plays of limit damages that other offenses are able to do. A uh, trio of guys that we're going to talk about real quick that are looking to make an impact. They've been on the roster now for a year. 
um, and been in the system. We'll see if they can crack that. Uh, I don't. I hate to keep calling it a two deep, but that's what everybody calls it. You know, just find some meaningful game reps. And that's a trio of redshirt freshmen. Redshirt freshman Andrew Morris. 6'2", 223, three tackles in four games for the Herd in 2022. Most of those probably came on special teams. But uh, I think he can't, this is the linebacker that comes out of the state of Arizona. And I remember when we were talking about that story about how he landed. I can't remember the story now, but I thought, how the hell do we go to Arizona and pluck a kid, right? But it, I think it had something to do with like he was visiting someone or something like that and ended up at a camp. Right. Like, um, um, and then we offered him and I'm like, I rem- I can't remember the exact story, but I know that it was a unique road to get to Huntington. Right. Uh, Leon Hart, red shirt freshman, six foot two ten, I think out of the South Florida area, a guy that we were excited about last year, uh, got injured one, one tackle in one game. And then it was the season opener and then red shirted. So I guess he got dinged up or, or whatever the case may be. And they just said, all right, let's, let's shut it down and you'll use your red shirt this year. And then red shirt freshman Jackson Marshall, six foot two, 213 pounds, no action at all for the herd last year. I think he was a teammate of Cole Pennington he at was. Sayer. So they were kind of a, not a package deal, but you know, when you can get teammates to come over, that's yeah. always cool. It helps the transition for both guys to a collegiate life because there's instant familiarity there. So there's three youngsters that are looking to make an impact for the herd in a, what is now considered to me to be a very crowded linebacker room. Uh, Russ, final overall thoughts before we go to strengths and weaknesses, or do you want to go right into strengths and weaknesses? Let's hit up strengths and weaknesses. All right. What you got for your number one overall strength for this unit? Number one overall strength is Eli Neal coming back. Uh, That was uh, a shot in the arm that we needed. We're talking about a drastic, drastically different uh, outlook here. If you replace the top three linebackers and the top three tacklers on the team from last year. So him coming back was just mega huge. Yeah, my number one overall strength also, uh, Eli Neal announcing his return, but coupled with that, like you said, he was the number one tackler on the entire defense last year and the number one from the linebacking room. But it's added to that, it's the number one and number six tacklers do return. And from the linebacker room, that's number one and number four. So uh, some decent production comes in, but it's absolutely the, the, uh, the exhale that we all got from Eli Neal saying, I'm, I'm running it back one more year. They, they, he wants a conference championship, man. You know these guys know they're close. They are close. They were a quarter away. And being on the defensive side where you got, you got punched in the nose real quick and it was just too much to overcome, I know that leaves a sour taste. And they were just so close to be able to do it. And I think that's the added motivation, right? To, to, now it's all about getting that, checking that box, having another great season, improving that draft stock. It's, it's Eli Neal coming back. What's your number two? Number two is we've got some hungry guys that need to make a point. One of them is Kashawn Brown. Uh, I think we all remember, you know, his uh, social media post, you know, the, how he felt like he was done dirty by Appalachian mm-hmm. State. And I know that we only play him one time on the uh, uh, schedule, but he's definitely going to be hungry there. But I think he's going to be hungry all year round. I think that uh, Stephen Dix Jr. is going to be hungry all year round. And that's to say, you know, here's another pipeline guy coming from Florida State and got a lot to prove. He was out with a shoulder injury last year, got a lot to prove 
to do just what some other people from Florida State have done when they've come here. And uh, I think that some of the younger transfer guys that we have, Viacek stepping up a level, I think he'll be hungry and have something to prove that he can do what he did at that other level. He can do here. And I think that uh, Tom McBright is going to also be hungry. So I think that we've got some hungry dudes and nothing to me says dogs let off the chain than the linebacker group. So I really think that we'll see some hungry, hungry guys looking to make a big impact. Yeah, that's a really good point, You, especially when you talk about Kashawn Brown, because we all remember the post where it was essentially he felt like he was told to find another place to play, right? And after being there for three or four years and, you know, being productive, all of a sudden to be like, what do you mean I ain't good enough to play here? So, yeah, he's going to be absolutely hungry all year long, particularly when we go to, to uh, Boone to play. You know, that's that's going to be a pseudo homecoming of sorts for him. And that's it, that's even more special than if they were coming to Huntington this year. Yeah. Right. To go back and 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 be, you know, in Boone, in that environment. And I got to feel like that's, you know, where where other players, not necessarily on our roster, but other players might get intimidated by that. That's just going to be gasoline in his tank. Yeah. Right. So that's an excellent point, man. And I think you're right. There are a lot of other guys that want to just prove that, you know, an injury don't set me back or, you know, I was just not in the right fit at my other mm-hmm. school or I performed really high at my lower level school and I can do it here too. Yeah. We've got a, we've got a great mix of that. And that's actually leads into my number two strength, which is we had a potential massively impactful portal cycle with well over 300 career tackles amongst these guys that we brought in along with well over 100 career games of experience you just cannot substitute that last stat a hundred over a hundred games of career experience either i mean it's at the division one level so it doesn't really even matter so this is just this is a this could be a massively impactful portal cycle to where you have seen the future of the herd linebacking core for next year and maybe the next couple of years right here in this cycle. There could be guys that are here for two or three years that are are the guys we're going to talk about in three years as being, you know, we'll compare them to Eli Neal, right? Yeah. We'll compare them to Devontae Beckett. Um, what's your number three? My third and final one is depth in the prospect of us having to replace two out of the three starters. It looked, you know, like with Eli Neal not – coming back or possibly not coming back, it was looking very bad. Mm. But what does Coach Huff do? Like I said, he replaces, he replenishes, and he goes out and gets talent and depth and size. And I think that that's what we've got. We've got depth again at the position. We do not have a bear cupboard. I think for the first time that I can remember saying this, Mm. it felt it feels like we rebuilt by reloading. You know, and because there's only a handful of guys that have played meaningful ball in a herd uniform returning. Uh, But we went out and got a bunch of guys that played meaningful football in another uniform. So this, for the first time that I can think, feels like a rebuild by reload. And uh, that's a that's a unique place to be in. So I'll take that. My number three overall uh, strength is a quartet of of adjectives that I'm going to use that I really feel like encapsulate this unit or will encapsulate this unit by the end of the season. I think we'll go back to these four points and go, yep, 
nailed that one. That's speed, toughness, attitude, and killer instincts. I think those are the headlines for this unit. And you can toss in another accolade to describe Coach Shannon Morrison if you want to. I just feel like he's the ringleader that makes all of that go, right? He He's the... He's the agitator that makes these guys ramp it up. But for me, it's the speed all across the, the roster at this position. It's the instincts, like you mentioned, with uh, Biacek and, and Tom McBride and Eli Neal that have done this on a number of occasions, like for seasons at a time, not just game-long stretches. It's, yeah. it's season stretches. And then – the the toughness, I mean, you have to have toughness. And you're not going to play for a guy like Shannon Morrison if you're not tough. You will get weeded out. We know that. So this this looks like a really obviously not shockingly vaunted unit for this herd defense because the whole damn unit is – the whole defensive side of the ball is just being billed as, you know, potentially equally as special, if not a little bit more special in some areas than last year. And that's tall praise. That is tall praise. Um, weaknesses. What do you got? I've, I've got two, but it's kind of 1A and 1B, and uh, it's going to be we have a vast number of newcomers coming mm -hmm. in. So, again, it's like what we've talked about for weaknesses before. It's the unknown. You know, how would Viacek playing against the level that he was at translate to playing here? It could be off the charts the same. It could be better than what he did there because he steps it up, or it could be worse because he's going up against faster, bigger people. We don't know. It's the unknown. It's nothing against him. He's not a weakness. The fact that I have not seen him as my weakness. So that goes the same with these other guys. Dix is coming off an injury. Um, Kashawn Brown coming over here. He's an unknown to us. Tom McBright coming up here from Incarnate Word. He's an unknown to us. So all these different things are the unknown, and we are replacing our number two and number three tacklers on the team. So that unknown is a weakness for me. So did you just give me both at the same time? Was that nope. your one? Okay. No, my next one is very similar. Okay. Well, I'm just going to play off of what you said because mine are exactly like yours. It's a 1A and a 1B, and my number two was that there are a lot of new pieces that have to fit the machine. And this unit was a machine last year, well-oiled as well. Mm -hmm. So there were not more than just tackles. It was the impact plays that we talk about, the sacks, the interceptions, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries. That's the type of stuff that changes the aspect of a game at any given point, right? So, yeah, you need tackles, and, yeah, you need sure-handed tacklers. You need guys that will swarm to the football. But it's those impact plays that this unit was able to get in bunches that really made the difference in a lot of games. So a lot of new pieces now have to fit in to this machine whether it be transfer or incoming freshmen or redshirt freshmen that are looking to get in there and make some noise, it's not going to be an easy task. You know, you've got a trio of guys. You've got Eli Neal, uh, potentially on Martin, and J.C. Anderson who have done this in a herd uniform and are familiar with all the terminology and, what, and the expectations and all that kind of stuff and also put up stats. Everybody else is going to have to – show it for the first time. Even if they were on the roster last year, they're going to have to show it by and large for the first time. So I'm right in line with you. What's your next? Well, mine is very similar to what you just said, which was similar to what I had said, but <laughs> it is um, the fact that they are playing together for the yeah. first time. Yeah. And that's, that's the, the deal, you know, as a unit, 
will they have their coverage together? Same thing that we talked about with the defensive backs, bringing in quite a bit of talent, quite a bit of depth. Will they play together? Will it be a three-game learning curve to play together? You know, do we have that miscommunication uh, in a big game that is early on, or do they come in and start playing well with the machine? So that is uh, different from the unknown, but not very much. So that's yeah. my 1A and 1B. Well, actually, my, my number one mm-hmm. overall weakness was something you mentioned earlier, and that was the lost production of your number two and three tacklers on the entire defense, which also were the number two and three tacklers from the linebacking room, too. Yeah. Uh, that's Charlie Gray and a bow plan, 137 tackles between the two of them, 15 tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, and three INTs. You got to replace that. That is production that has to be replaced. So if you look at that over a a season, I mean, that's 10 tackles a game that has to be replaced. That's a tackle for loss over a tackle for loss per game, you know, a sack every two or three games and an interception every two or three games that has to be replaced. So will it? Of course it will. Will it be done amongst two guys or will it be done amongst three or four guys? That's the real question, right? But there's no way you can just – push off to the side that a guy like a bow plan and a guy like Charlie gray are no longer on this herd linebacking core and expect everything to just be hunky dory going into week one with so many unknowns, but that's, that's really my, my two primary things. Uh, any final words you got there before we move into these four big questions? Nope. All right. Well then let's get to it. Who are you most excited to see from this linebacker room in 2023? Eli Neal coming back for his swan song. It's exactly like what we talked about with Micah Abraham, you know, having that chance to come back. Uh, I'm just so excited for him to come in and put that other stamp on there. He had a great season last year, Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm excited to see what he's going to do in 2023. Yep. For me, it's Eli Neal as well, and it's the same. It's a senior It's the guy that's performed at a high level for a number of years. It wasn't like he had a breakout season and it was just awesome last year. He's been doing it for a number of years. I mean, even as a young guy going to Boise, getting the interception when Marshall couldn't get anything going to try to get, you know, something, something, something sparked. Uh, Eli Neal's highlights when his tape is done and you got a career highlight tape made, it's going to be a five or six minute deal because he just all over the place all the time. And to be able to do it one more time, he made the announcement They these guys have probably been thinking about the conference championship literally hours after the bowl game was done. You know, that's just how they're wired. You want what you haven't been able to attain yet, and these guys are going to put it all on the line for the herd one more time to try to capture that Sunbelt Conference championship and go out a champion. For It's 100% Eli Neal for me, too. Who's the hardest to replace from this unit for you, Russ? Out of those two, it's very, very – and you know, I know you know who the two I'm talking about. It's very, very similar for those two, but I give the nod to Charlie Gray. Um Gray might have not led in tackles amongst those two if a bow plan plays in 13 games the same as Charlie Gray does, but Gray had more sacks, he had more forced fumbles, he had more interceptions, he had more everything across the board, and he was that guy that just seemed to be everywhere along with Eli Neal. Um, There also seemed to be a game, I'm hoping that you'll remember the game, but he just all of a sudden was playing out of his mind and took the game over. 
Mm-hmm. And that was the sort of thing that I think that you got with Charlie Gray. Abe Beauplan is one of our great linebackers that we've had here over the past uh, decade. But for me, it's Charlie Gray. And I got no problem with that because you're right. It's it's back and forth. And, and what's, you know, what's going to be the the – the game or the what's going to be the different differentiator between these two guys. And the fact that you used all of those, you know, impact plays to your advantage, there is a, a compelling argument, right? Yeah. But for me, it's a bow plan. And I'll tell you why it's because he was a guy that did it every single year. You're talking about a hundred tackles, a hundred tackles, you know, it was a little off the clip last year, not quite to the total tackle output but that's because Eli Neal had such a great year and it's because Charlie Gray had such a great year that you know he he didn't have to he didn't maybe have his opportunities to get that many tackles but 231 career tackles for a bow plan 23 tackles for lost three and a half sacks and several impact plays if you remember he led the conference USA in tackles the last year we were there and then we move into the Sun Belt so he was just a guy that did it for so many years for the herd he was so reliable I mean, no knock on Charlie Gray, but for me, it's a bow plan. And I could have chosen either guy. And I think maybe the game you were talking about with Charlie, trying to look at the quick stats real quick, nothing really leaped out of me from a tackle standpoint. But I think it may have been um, either the game at Bowling Green or maybe the one at Troy because he had nine tackles against Bowling Green, eight tackles against Troy, and he also added a sack against Troy. So it was maybe one of those two to where he started going off. One of the games, I just remember it was like, uh, and it may have been that he forced a fumble or recovered a fumble or something like that, but it just seemed like uh, in two series he had like five quarterback hurries or something. Now, if you want to go back to the year before, I – in my mind, and I could be wrong, but, you know, I feel like he had a crazy good performance against Navy in that uh, opener, you know, Huff's first game. I could be wrong, but it just feels like that might be what it was. So, anyway, let's move along here. Who's your, who's your breakout player? You got a lot to choose from here in 2023. Who's your breakout player? I'm going with Stephen Dix Jr. I think that uh, I'm playing into that trope of, oh, he's coming from Florida State, you know, but – they recruit a certain speed and they recruit a certain size and they recruit a certain talent level uh, down there at Florida State, especially in uh, the defensive side. I think that, you know, they have a long history of having uh, pick of the litter kind of for for true. for going there for fast defensive players and everything. He's uh, I think he's going to come in here. He's going to have a lot to prove, like I said earlier. He didn't play for a full year. I feel like he's going to be hungry, and I think that we're going to get a really good year out of him. And Maybe surprisingly, not surprisingly, Stephen Dix Jr. is also my pick as potential breakout player for a lot of the reasons you just said. And I think Florida State's getting a bad rap because of how mediocre or below average they were for a number of years before bringing in Mike Norville. And, uh, you know, we've got some – Excuse me, Adam Fuller is down there. Who was a herd defensive coordinator here? We know what he used to do for the herd. So you're, but you're still right. Even though Florida State dipped for a number of years, 
they are still a marquee program here in the state of Florida. They still recruit at a very, very, very high level, borderline elite level, especially in some of those particular categories like linebacker. And it's not just about the hype, right? Because he you know, comes from Florida State. It's the fact that he was a, a rival's freshman All-American in 2020, and then, you know, had a little bit of a downturn in 2021 and then got injured. So we've let's talk about another guy who was looking to make some history for himself who comes over from Florida State by the name of Kalen Labor. And that worked out pretty well, didn't it? Yeah. It was decent. It certainly did. And I think this guy's got all the physical attributes to come in and just be a dominant, dominant force. He might not be a week one starter, but he might be a week six starter. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. the type, type of – breakout ability there is kind of sort of off the charts. And you also have to give a little bit of a nod to Viacek because he's he has performed at a really high level for a number of years. You've got to get a little bit of a nod to Tom McBright because he's done it. And you've got to give a little bit of a nod to Kashawn Brown. But overall, for guys that haven't been two, three, four years, I think it's Stephen Dix Jr. I, I think he, he might be the guy that we talk about next year as – Wow, you know, going doing that. Wow, can you believe what we saw? Um, how about your MVP from the unit overall? Eli Neal. He's uh, he's the upperclassman. He's the senior statesman. He's the leader. He was the number one tackler on the team last year. He's uh, going to be one of those big three that came back that mm-hmm. is going to change how this defense shapes up. I mean, you talk about those three not coming back. It's a drastically different outlook on this season. Mm-hmm. And uh, three all-timers coming back. So he's <laughs> he's he's one of those all-timers, and I feel like he's going to be the leader of this uh, position group. He's going to be the leader of this uh, uh, room, this linebacker room. And I think that uh, his play on the field will match that leader quality that he has you know i from okay first off right off the bat eli neal is my mvp as well mm-hmm. and i don't think anybody can honestly bet against him right mm-hmm. based on everything we've seen him do based on the career he's had but i also think he's been that leader for a number of years even as a young guy i feel like he moved into that role or kind of stepped into that role as being a leader through his play on the field, right? You don't have to be the the rah-rah guy. He might be. I don't know him, but, you know, he seems like the guy who's quiet and just lets his work do the talking. I could be wrong. These guys that – if there, any of these guys on the team are listening to this, they might go, geez, you really don't know Eli because he – you know, he, they, he might be a cut-up for all I know, you know? But he just seems like he likes to let his work do the talking. Right. I mean, they all jaw a little bit on the on the field and stuff like that. But I just feel like he's been a leader for a number of seasons. And this is the last one. You know, he's going to set the tone. Right. He's going to set the tone. And uh, I, I, I am I am more than just looking forward to seeing how it all plays out on the field. These seniors, man, they they just they hit a little bit different. And I don't mean that like in a football pun, but you just it feels good when when those are the guys that are impactful players, you know, that that want to do it one more time for the herd. So give me Eli Neal as well. Russ, if you got any final words, man, let's have them because that was an that was a really great 
linebacker breakout breakdown. I got to say too, I, I, ne- I always forget to do this. If you're listening to these episodes and you have opinions and you th- you have a thought on some of the things that we talk about, feel free to leave comments in the YouTube on the YouTube channel because we read those, we respond yeah. to those, and we like that interaction over there. You can't always get that same interaction on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook because we realize you're listening to the show. And it's really easy to just leave a comment. So mm-hmm. feel free to do that. And also, please, golly, share the links with your friends and help us find, help more herd fans find what we're doing here because we love these series and we want everybody to be as informed as we can make them, whether it's 100% accurate or like uh, 85% accurate. We're trying to do the best we can. Final word on the linebackers. I forgot to bring it up. Every time we had talked about Stephen Dix Jr., but he was a Seminole scholar. Mm-hmm. All three years that he was down there. Now, throw out your jokes about what that might be for Florida State versus other schools. I don't care. If they have a certain standard, I doubt that they're saying, well, if you get above a 1.7, you're a Seminole scholar. You right. still got to perform. And uh, that just goes to show he's not just the athletic specimen, but he gets it done in the classroom and everything. That probably tells you. As a linebacker, he's going to make really good decisions and reads and know the playbook and all that sort of thing as well. So that's just one more reason I'm so kind of high on him. You got any any final words otherwise uh, on the not just the linebackers, but the episode as a whole or this week as a whole, if not, take us out of here. Yeah, final words for me is that uh, we've hit a little bit of a lull uh, for a reason. Uh, on our website, thundercast.online. And that was specifically designed that we were going to have kind of a hard launch on July the 1st. So we held back a couple of articles. We held back a couple of things and features that we had planned to roll out. What happened? KD got sick and was down for a while. (laughs) And then as he's not yet better, I get sick with this, what seemingly feels like a month-long disease that I've had. Uh, but look for some big things to happen over the next two weeks at thundercast.online when we have that true official hard launch, and then we start seeing a lot of content over there. And as always, if you want to write from a fan's perspective on any of the sports that Marshall has, uh, feel free to DM us or email us, and we will see what you got. We'll see if we can put you in there. Take us All out right, here, man. Let's so take roll. us out. Uh, whether you see us at the cam, whether you see us at the Joan, whether you see us at the Jack, or unfortunately you don't see us up at Great American Ballpark where we're leading three to one, uh, where I should be, but I'm deathly sick. No matter where you see us, we're going to be saying, go herd. Go herd. It's the Thundercast. We'll see you next week. I forgot to look and see who we're going to be talking about next week, but the breakdown series will continue. So we'll see you next week. Later. Later.